0: Hello everybody, this is Erica, this is Shari, and this is April, and you are
1: now listening to Three Sykes and a Mic. Just as a disclaimer, although the contents of this show may be educational and therapeutic in nature, this should not be considered a replacement for therapy with a licensed professional. If you would like more information on how you can find a therapist in your area, please contact us on social media. All right, ladies, we are back. Welcome, welcome, welcome. All right, so we're going to jump right in and find out how everyone's week has been. What got you through? What are you grateful for? Talk to us, talk to us. I'm going to do like I don't normally do and not call on anybody. And I'm just going to let you guys jump right in.
0: Um, The funny thing is I had one because I think we said we had the same thing and I forgot. what. Oh, no, no, no. I know what it is. I know what it is. I I am grateful for finding a new fish spot um, in Columbia at this place called Icon Bar and Grill or something. Um, Mm. So we we had a a night of adventurous Friday night of trying to go out and... (laughs) randomly came across this spot that neither of us had ever one I don't think I've ever been on that street Never. ever in life um but it was a really fun five, night five. definitely gave me like VFW old school like my daddy age vibe mm-hmm. but it was great because we didn't have to pay for a single thing
2: We pay for <laughs> and we ate good
0: ate the fish was so and like I will go again? I don't know Icon. I do know
2: we <laughs> Well that's about um, <laughs> North Maine? It's over yeah, off North Main. Like the food was by. so good. Is, like literally near what my family.
0: The drinks are reasonably priced. I never heard of
2: it. But there's a reason you've never heard of it. It's a hello. It, basically. Oh, okay. yeah.
0: But it was fun. And it, it was, was karaoke fun. night. Um and one thing about black people in karaoke, they I, I would say black people in karaoke treat it like an audition. Yes. yes it's, like yes. it's Real entertainment, Maybe like real. you have to be able to yeah.
1: see, like you used to want to be, or, yeah. Diana yeah. Ross or Steven exactly. Or you used so to have A record deal out.
0: Back in the day But you never but blew you up did. Right yeah. So you
2: just go to karaoke
0: gotcha. And just gotcha. clown Clown Like
2: this guy literally Walked through the crowd
1: And sung <laughs> oh I my. was like Wow This is a concert
2: <laughs> Like He was it, He was good too He was really he was good really good So yeah. yeah So, so what
1: I'm, you're telling me is There is a place Where I can go get Good fried fish yes. a show yeah. Yes And some cheap liquor Yes And yeah. this is not All over social media Right now I know I don't need it to be I need it to be Right yeah. It
0: was so fun. We just had a really good time. Yeah, so I it mixed up. that was that was nice. Yeah, it, was okay. um, it was like a friendsgiving, which was cool because I did it nothing was... on Thanksgiving. Yeah. So that was nice.
2: It was fun. It's my good, grateful.
1: grateful. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> Erica's like, all right. Well, I, I missed that one, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, but um, I will be checking this place out. We can uh, go next, next Friday. Friday.
3: Okay. Yes. I
2: will be there every Friday. <laughs>
0: <I'm
3: probably
2: laughs> the new spot. So my grateful is that I just for this December issue of Essence Magazine, I am featured um, in the the solve section. Um, so it's page 130, 130 131 <laughs> for those who are looking for it. Um, I'm featured in in the magazine talking a little bit about how to heal after a breakup and so that is my grateful I've known that it was coming out for about two months and I couldn't really talk about it because you know you got to wait and see mm-hmm. <laughs> you know but I am super excited I went and picked up like seven issues or seven copies last night Um. So, if you are listening and you and you read Essence, and you, or even if you don't read Essence, go and
1: support. And my people, please go buy the magazine. Yeah, go buy the magazine. Flip to page one (laughs) thirty-four. Read it. Right. Go Go to Barnes and Noble. Just right. Go (laughs) Barnes and Noble.
2: Look at it. Take a picture. One of my friends was like, "I just take a picture." No. It's like no. By buy, buy, the, buy magazine. the magazine. Yes. Yeah. It's buy the magazine. Keep the publication going. Yes. Right. So that is my biggest grateful. That's like my grateful for the for the month. It's a December. great way to end the year. I know. Yeah. That's good. So mm-hmm. I'm super excited. Shout out to Charlie Penn, the editor of Love and Relationships, who featured me. So
1: thanks for that. Yes, Charlie. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see. What am I grateful for? I am grateful for um this food that I had yeah. at multiple locations for Thanksgiving. This was great. Um, I ate a lot. Um, I did endure the, you know, staple family comment. Ooh, girl, you look like you done put on weight. Oh. Yes, everywhere I went. But you know, but what? you, but you fine. It, it went in all the right places. Exactly. So it worked out. It yeah. worked out. But um, grateful for the food. Grateful for family. But even more grateful to be back home, off the road. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, like literally just back home. Literally.
2: Yeah. Like, an yeah. hour and some time to
1: go. <laughs> like, I was late for the show. <laughs>
0: awesome. Well, glad everyone had a good week. Um, so, we don't really, we're not going to spend a lot of time on a media minute because we have a guest. But, so, our media minute is kind of a plug slash so shout out. Go see Queen and Slim. Yes. Um, really good movie. I enjoyed it mm, um, as much as one can enjoy that movie. Mm, so, yeah. go check it out.
2: Yeah, our media minute. that's our medium minute. Then and we won't we talk much about, about it, it because yeah. everybody hasn't seen it in the room. So. You got until next week. Yeah, until next week. And then we
1: spill in all the beans. Don't worry. I will be going during the work week.
2: There you go. Nice. Catch your matinee. Yes. Oh, yeah. The best. All right. right, we're well, rolling right into our topic. So today, as April mentioned, we have a guest here with us. So we're super excited. This is our first guest here on the podcast. So clap it up, clap oh. it up. Ay, ay, ay. Um, so we have Dr. Sarah Wright, who is a clinical psychologist, as well as a certified sex therapist and a certified sex therapy supervisor. Um, And so she is here with us to kind of just rock and talk a little bit about different topics. We had people, um, some people send in questions that they wanted to hear from her. So we're just going to run through some of those. And we'll be talking about a number of different things um, that we have questions about, but as well as some of our listeners have questions about. So welcome, Sarah. Thank you. I'm Uh, so excited
4: to be here. We to to tell, to have you.
2: want to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself.
0: No, we kind of gave a brief introduction, yeah. but anything you think the listeners should know.
3: That
2: you would want them to know.
0: I'm white.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes, Sarah.
4: Well, yes. there
1: you go, ladies and gentlemen. And then
4: <laughs> I know all of these lovely ladies in a professional setting. Um, I was very honored to be here. I could probably say a lot of random things about who I am and where I'm from. I would rather wait and see what's relevant. Um, So I will definitely say I am not a native Southerner. I'm originally from Cincinnati, so I think culturally um, I have a bit of a different lens than maybe some folks who were born and raised down here. So I'm looking forward to some of these questions and conversations that are going to
0: happen. Nice. Awesome. Well, we are super excited to have you here. Um, So one of the reasons why we wanted to have you here is we had talked about, you know, when we were first doing the podcast or what topics we wanted to cover, is what it's like as a white clinician to see black clients. Because in our first episode around why don't black people go to therapy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. is something that comes up, is the reluctance to talk to someone who doesn't get it or may not get it, who doesn't look like them, mm-hmm. and there's no numbers. Um, we were just talking about this a couple of days ago, Erica, that there are no black female psychologists, yes. practicing, practicing psychologists right. in Columbia.
1: Right, Not a single one. Yeah. So... Oh. Isn't that amazing? I mean, isn't that amazing? Like when you think about yeah. it, because my
4: brain just ran through like five different friends. This one left for this reason. Yep. This one now yep. is doing administrative work. Right. This one's now working in policy. Right. yeah.
1: Yeah. No right. practicing wow. black female psychologist. Yeah. Yep. And it's just it was just glaring because I had someone ask, "Hey, can you recommend someone who's practicing in the area who is a um, black female psychologist?" And could not find one. Yeah. I would imagine it's not
4: that different if we even expanded it to just a woman of color.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 That's yeah. Now that I think about it, as I'm going through my search, I don't think, I don't think I really found. Now I I do want to say that there were several, um, LPCs, Mm -hmm. but the the request was specifically for a psychologist. Right. And could not. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Same. I think that would, that, happened with me when i was looking for um a provider i you know i started with psychology just cuz i'm biased <laughs> I mean. and and couldn't find one that mm-hmm. was not a white male or older white female i was like yeah. Yeah. and so um I, I think the person i ended up with was an lpc i'm mm-hmm. um, sure so it was a great you know great experience but i had that like i couldn't couldn't find things. anything mm-hmm. yeah so mm-hmm. yeah Um, So in line with that, so one of the questions that we received was essentially, what is that like um, as a white clinician? So one question that a, a listener submitted was, do white clinicians consider race when treating black patients? And if so, how do they navigate that while trying to maintain a safe space for their patient?
4: That's an excellent, excellent question. And one of the things I have to acknowledge is I probably have more bias about white people than mm-hmm. any other race, mm-hmm. um, so I grew up in a very small town actually between Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio. So while it might seem like big city, it was like there were six black students in my high school, mm-hmm. and there was mm-hmm. no other diversity. Mm-hmm. So there were okay. the six black kids,
3: mm-hmm.
4: and and I was very fortunate growing up where I worked. Um, so I'm a first generation college student. Um, I've worked since I was 14. I worked full time to put myself through school. And, uh, when I worked in high school, my manager, I worked at a subway and my manager was a black woman and she ended up being like an adopted mom to me.
3: Mm -hmm. So
4: I'd go to her family reunions. I was the only (laughs) white face there. So it was really easy to find if she didn't know where I
3: was.
4: (laughs) And it was the most fun. And, and so I've had a lot of experiences that I think a lot of white people haven't had Mm. of being an only one. Mm. And, um, Mm. there was a lot of things in my family growing up that my, openness to other people wasn't very embraced in my family Mm -hmm. and created a lot of issues. There were threats to send me to a foster home. Uh, it just wasn't real good. So the first time I, I finally dated a white person, like, I don't think it really mattered much who he was. Mm -hmm. So, um, so, I think I have a lot of bias about white people mm. and their openness and their ability to have conversations or even think differently. or like I remember then when I moved down here, I would want to go to a, a club or a bar or something, and, and friends would say, "Well, that place is too dark." Mm. And I didn't get it, and oh. I, I'd never heard this before, and I didn't understand. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then even in college, so I did my undergrad at USC. And most of my friends were black and I would walk around campus with just friends and yeah. would just get like a straight like 180 head turn, people staring at one because they thought I was cute. <laughs> and so I have a lot of bias about white people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I find myself pleasantly surprised when white people aren't racially ignorant. Mm. Uh, and so I find it hard I find it hard even to answer this question because I can talk about my experience right. and I can yeah, talk about yeah. assumptions. So I will say as a white person... Uh, having diversity conversations, most of them came back to just black or white, which I think is sad mm-hmm. uh, because then it just becomes about this one thing instead of an attitude of awareness and mm-hmm. curiosity. Um, And then in most diversity discussions, though, would be almost understand that, you know, black culture might look like this. Asian culture might look like this. White culture might look like this. Mm -hmm. And I didn't align with that either. So my family um, is very Hungarian. It was 2007 was my family's 100 year anniversary in this country. Grew up knowing my great grandmother. She cussed out my great grandfather in Hungarian all the time. (laughs) And in Hungarian culture, men hug and kiss and are very affectionate, Um, which is not, I think, very stereotypically white. Right. Mm Um and so there were just a lot of ways it didn't fit. And mm-hmm. what I got taught though is to put the burden on the person I was working with and to say, "Well, what's it like for you as a black person mm-hmm. to work with me as a white person?" Sure. And I had a supervisor call me out and he said, "Why do you put the responsibility on the client to mm-hmm. talk yeah. about the uncomfortable situation? If you have a question about your whiteness, talk about your whiteness." Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
4: And it it just you know, So here I thought I was doing the thing and name and race, and that's what I'm supposed to do. And it really opened my eyes. Um, mm-hmm. And I really helped me have different conversations with my clients about, um, man, I'm really aware of my whiteness as we have this conversation. And I'm aware that I can't know this and this and this piece. Yeah. How does that affect your ability to process it?
3: Mm-hmm. And
4: honestly, what I have found is it's very little about what's happening in the room.
3: Yeah.
4: Rarely is it about me. Um, and it's more when, when people know that it isn't about me. Mm -hmm. I think then they feel okay to talk about their experience and talk about being profiled and Mm -hmm. judged and treated poorly and Mm -hmm. that they trust they're going to be believed. And I think a lot of white people have a really hard time sitting in the discomfort. Very much what we we tried a little bit before the show started. And I think people underestimate the power of distress tolerance skills. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of white people have not had to learn that. Yeah. I talk a lot about the shadow side of privilege. Um, we talk about white privilege a lot, mm-hmm. and all the the benefits and the perks. That don't get me wrong, I see on the regular. And there's a shadow side to privilege. And for the for the benefits that I get for any any way that I have a majority status, there is an opportunity I am that I don't have the opportunity. Yeah. That's redundant. <laughs> but there are things that I don't get to do, um, and I think for white folks, that there's not been a lot of opportunity to sit in distress. Mm -hmm. to be prepared that life isn't always going to be fair and that sometimes that happens and this is how we still build in an internal resilience. It builds ego strength.
3: Mm -hmm. yeah. And
4: I think that there are a lot of white people who don't have the ego strength to hold the reality that white people have done some really messed up things. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't necessarily mean I have done super messed up things. It means I can step in it means I've been influenced by it and if I can't look at it, I'm more likely to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think the for me the bottom line is that doesn't have to mean I'm a bad person. Mm-hmm. And I think privilege protects people sometimes from having to take a real hard look at themselves and what they get. And how hard did you really have to work to get that? And how hard has that other person worked? And mm-hmm. maybe I don't always deserve everything that I get in
1: this life. Like that's a hard thing to say. Right. So as a a client, um have you had a situation where you've had a, um, a, a, client who was, um, person of color who has questioned, you know, your sincerity or your ability to work with them because they were, um, African American or some other racial ethnic group? There.
4: That's a really good question. I've had people ask me my experience mm-hmm. working with different, um, folks of different ethnicities, backgrounds, heritage, religions, religions, a big one in the South. Um, I think most of the time that that's come up, we've had really good conversations and a lot of times um, I'm the one to bring it up. Okay. Um, and so I will talk about, just help me understand your family's culture is what I ask most of my clients. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Instead of like culture in general, most white people look at me like they don't understand what I'm talking about if I ask about culture.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, or to if somebody's telling me their story and they've come from an HBCU to come to the U of SC, which is a yeah. very white homogenous campus. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when I name whiteness, people have then feel more able to talk about it. Um, there's one person that pops into my head. Um, I think it was one where, uh, even if I asked questions or I named, you know, that sometimes this bias. Um, so one of the things I talk a lot about, especially with my female clients is the idea of the strong black woman. Mm -hmm.
3: Mm -hmm. And
4: there's this expectation that I can do the things and then I'm okay. And then I Mm -hmm. saw mom do this and I saw grandmama Mm -hmm. do this and and I will usually name it as, I know that sometimes there's this stereotype or the idea of the strong black woman.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And I think I did this with one client where maybe there wasn't quite the trust there yet.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And, or, and it might've been where she was in her racial development. It might've been where she felt that day. It might've just been, she didn't like something else about me.
3: Mm-hmm. It
4: was one of those though, when I named it, I, f- I felt the discomfort in the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it, then at that point, I felt like if we talked about it more, that's assuaging my discomfort right. and not being helpful to her. Mm-hmm. um and then afterwards she actually um i can't remember if she made an next appointment or not i think she did and ended up calling back and asked to reschedule it and asked to work with a young black woman
3: mm. Mm.
4: and i was actually really glad i hated that that couldn't be said to me would have absolutely helped her make that happen and would right. make sure she knows that's okay
3: mm-hmm. and
4: even that makes me wonder is that about me
3: mm-hmm.
4: wanting to you know versus yeah. like yo i get that and And so I think for me, that's one of the things is I recognize the responsibility I have as a white person and I want to take every opportunity to try to give it a, I don't want to say a different, but at least, um, another possible way to see folks. And so, yeah, it's, it happens and it's sticky when it comes up and it's hard to sit with a thing where there's just not a way to make it right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's interesting. And actually kind of I had a question around like, how do you handle missteps or mistakes made along the Mm -hmm. way? Um, Because I think a lot of times when conversations about race in general, why people are so reluctant to even have those conversations is because there's so much fear around saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing. And even as a clinician, that's a fear, period. Like when you first started out, I was like, I don't want to say the wrong thing thing in session. And once you learn, you're going to say the wrong thing at some point. It's just, it's (laughs) going to happen. But when it's around culture or ethnicity or race, specifically what we're talking about with race, how have you, like, learned from that or acknowledged that mistake and walked back from it? Like, <laughs> or was it just frozen in time? Yeah. Like, oh, no, we don't
4: leave things frozen yeah. in time.
3: <laughs> so
4: uh, at, at the Counseling Center, I started a diversity seminar my first year staff. Mm-hmm. I've been there now 12 and a half years. Oh, my
3: gosh. Oh, my right?
2: goodness.
4: And there was not any kind of a diversity seminar. So I started this my very first year as staff. All of y'all have been in this. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And two years ago, maybe maybe two or three years ago, I'm in this space. And um, thankfully, it's co-facilitated. That's one of the things I asked for because I need to be kept in check like any other human. And I made a very insensitive and ignorant parallel so my brain works in pictures mm-hmm. and I made a really ignorant parallel to slavery with something we're talking about and I don't even remember what it was at this point point. and our postdoc called me out on it mm. and in that moment as soon as that got named like my gut just dropped and it was like oh my god <laughs> Lots of not words suitable for a PG podcast.
0: Oh, it's not PG. Oh yeah. I think I know the word you're going to use because I quote you all the time that sometimes you have to sit in a shitty diaper. Oh, it
4: was the shittiest diaper. It was messy. It was leaking outside. And I just sat there. And my first instinct was to explain why that wasn't racist. And I just sat there. And I let the conversation happen. I gave her some space. I kind of backed up a little bit. I let Mm co-facilitator do a little bit of processing, came back in. Literally, I stayed present in the room. I mentally checked out for a minute to kind Mm -hmm. of get my ducks back in a row. Yeah. I appreciated the, the acknowledgement, appreciated the opportunity for my growth. I named... Um, some of my, probably in the moment it was shame. I think the better word in in hindsight was guilt in the Mm -hmm. moment. It felt like shame,
3: Mm
4: -hmm. um, that here I am the facilitator of this.
3: Mm -hmm. And then
4: somebody who is here in a training capacity now had to step up and couldn't feel safe in that space, Mm -hmm. how that changes then the overall safety to engage in general. And so I was very aware and, um, and it ended very tense. Like it was, it was good. It was tense and it was awkward and they were still hurt. And there was a lot of mistrust, very understandably. And so left from that space and her office was four doors down from mine. And I so badly wanted to go and talk to her. And I just kept putting myself in check that that was about me.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I
4: needed to know that we were okay because mm-hmm. I needed to feel better that I had been hurtful.
3: Gotcha. Right.
4: And then I was able to step around it and say, and she got hurt. Mm-hmm. and if I go in there and I need to have this conversation and she's not ready I've heard her more, more yeah. for mm-hmm. sure and so I took it everywhere else. I took it to f- shrinky friends. I took it to not shrinky friends. I took it to my partner. And it was amazing how many people just wanted to save my ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It was amazing how yeah. many people told me, it was just one thing. Mm-hmm. That's not who you yeah. are. Mm-hmm. You think about life, like, and they just wanted to make it okay mm-hmm. for me, and it felt grosser. Mm-hmm. And the more people I talked to, the grosser it felt. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, where, where do I go to process this because mm-hmm. they just couldn't and i didn't really have a place and so um i did some writing about it and i kind of sat on my own waited until the next week in diversity seminar and when we did check in i did my check-in this is mm-hmm. where i've been and this is what i've done with this and here's where i'm at with it and i very purposely kind of didn't look at her mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. and um and then at her check-in, she was in tears, and she said, "Thank you for not asking me to make this better for oh, you."
3: Yeah. And she
4: said, "I didn't want to come here today, and I didn't feel safe, and I didn't know how this was going to go." And I, she said, "I just feel so much better that you get it, not mm. just in what was said, mm-hmm. that you got it." Yeah. yeah. And we're still super close. Like yeah.
1: super, I, she's adorable, and I love her. Um, I think that's so no. important too. That it wasn't a. I need to apologize and then she needs to accept my apology and then Mm -hmm. I will feel better. And then I hope that she, it was more of a, everybody needs to step away. Everyone needs time to process. And then you had to come in and say, this is how I've been working with and recognizing what, what happened, what I did and, and trying to correct it for myself. I think that a lot of times we don't give people the opportunity to, to do that. It's like the rift is there and then we don't, you know. I mean, it's different in the counseling situation or the training situation in that you have the opportunity to come back. I think a lot of the problem is we don't ever come back when people, yeah. when there's mm-hmm. been rifts like that that yeah. have occurred. that was a
4: hard diaper yeah. to sit in. Mm-hmm. Of course. And it, and you're absolutely right. It was so much more about I have the potential. So here I think I'm protected because I've had these very different experiences and that's not me.
3: Mm-hmm. And
4: so again, in the, the privilege and the, the things then that aren't seen.
3: Mm-hmm. And I
4: think about even how sometimes I'll think I'm not like most white people. Mm-hmm. Gross. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> yeah. Because then yeah, it yeah. still
4: just perpetuates right, right. A, yeah. stereotype a stereotype of, right. of what white yeah. people do. And then it's like, nope, I'm, yeah,
3: yeah, I'm right. white. Yeah.
4: yeah that's that's there <laughs> yeah but no. i think that's so
0: important because that yeah. that's something that i've all not struggled with but i am was like hmm, when i meet like the woke white person mm-hmm. um because it's like yeah, yeah but you still have like you have to know that right. you still have the not the tendency but just because of mm-hmm. how this world works you're not immune Mm-mm. from making those mistakes so, so if you have mm-hmm. this attitude of like no i get it i i'm here like you're not like I appreciate mm-hmm. the awareness, but you You're gotta not. know that there's gonna be limits. Like I joke all the time when we're out, and it's happened a couple times when I've been out with Shari, where sometimes white people will do I don't either black sense or talk about hip hop. Yeah, like when we've just like, we're sitting at the bar and it's like, yeah,
2: yeah man, I know I love rap and oh Nelly. God. And I'm
0: like, no, when you we don't. You just elevator, named Nelly. First right? of all, was, <laughs>
2: just, yeah and like, like, I we were on the that elevator that. And, and the guy was like, Oh, what did he say about like he the, the police or something? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Something like, about the
0: policeman, policeman bad or yeah, something like, or 12. Yeah. He was like, yeah, I'm food with 12. And I had to explain to shower. 12. Cause
1: I was like, <laughs> there's no 12th floor. Like, where are you going? And I still have no idea what you're talking it's, about. It's so. slang for cops. Well, no, no yeah. Y'all
0: are hilarious
1: <laughs> Okay so These are new numbers To me Because <laughs> exactly. in my Where I'm from And where I grew up I The numbers were 5 oh, So me. where did, where did well, 12 Well you know from
0: slang from? changes It does time. <laughs> <I know. laughs> So that was back in our day
1: But at okay. 12 So this is the new Now I
2: know Yeah so Clearly i like, I was not black enough In that moment
1: <laughs> Right <laughs> You know <I> was like <laughs> Clearly
0: Clearly and, <laughs> and even when We were at gr- the Grand One time And just sitting at the bar Talking And then these guys Was just it was and it happened so much i'm like it can't be a coincidence like mm-hmm. this has happened way too many times so it's kind of like mm-hmm. i don't i call it like the woke white person where it's like it has to be a line somewhere well it's kind of just be like you mm-hmm. don't have to announce it like you yeah. don't need to give me signals that you're cool
3: mm-hmm. just
0: be cool because once you the ad- energy
1: will tell the, me. Energy, the energy will, will tell, tell because I, you when know. you mm-hmm.
0: have this if you you run the risk of thinking that you are immune to mm-hmm. making those missteps yeah. Yeah. and to taking ownership of it. So I think that's what I love that that example you just shared yeah. because it was you owning mm-hmm. it and sitting it and not running into mm-hmm. the need to like fix
2: it, fix mm-hmm. it. So don't be mad at me. Yeah. Don't right. be mad at me. Yeah. And I like mm-hmm. that you are able to... Think about, okay, what should I do after this misstep? And Mm -hmm. not putting the onus on her, like Erica said, to say, okay, I forgive you. It's okay. Because I think oftentimes the onus is placed on brown Mm -hmm. and black people when there are things that happen to say, well, let me help you navigate this. Let me show Mm -hmm. you how you should walk through it. And that becomes burdensome to us. To have to carry that on it—it's a dual role. <laughs> yeah, you've got to be a human
4: who's been triggered. hurt, and now also have to be a healer or an educator exactly. or what else. And it's different parts of the brain. Yep,
3: yeah, yeah.
4: A hurt brain isn't prepared to be in that role to be a healer right. as well. And then the right. power
0: dynamic too in mm-hmm. that. And and it's such—I mean, we can do a whole episode on just stuff like this that ha- has happened, like in workspaces and professional oh, spaces. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These microaggressions, and then it becomes on you mm-hmm. to one call it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then to, to show it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's I know you didn't mean it. When is this like,
4: hmm? And I think for <laughs> me, the hardest part of all that, honestly, was that like I didn't have anybody in my world who was comfortable to be next to me in my dirty diaper. Mm-hmm. They're like, mm, that's staying. You didn't take that. You know, it's fine. Yeah. It's, yeah, fine. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Like, You're no, okay. no, this isn't like... I need to sit with this yeah. mm-hmm. and all the people around me. And I don't know if it just sounded like I was giving myself a real hard time, but it wasn't, I wasn't like, Oh my gosh, I'm so I'm really this horrible racist person. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that it was, it was very humbling, which I appreciated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was just really surprising that literally to one of my friends, I had to say right now, I just need you to hear me. I don't need you to try to make me feel better. Me mm-hmm. talking this out is making me feel better. Like
1: I had to give real specific guidance and how yeah. to be present. Yeah. And I, In my diversity training course that I teach, I talk to my students about sharing the discomfort. I was like, a lot of times, you know, we talk about minority groups, like, you know, things happen, and then it makes you uncomfortable, and it's very heavy, and then you are the one uncomfortable, and then you don't want to call it out because you don't want to create more discomfort. And I was like, it's, think of a burden. This has become a burden, and burdens are a lot easier to carry when you share the load. Yes, yeah. And- I say share the discomfort. I was like, it's okay to make the person who has created the discomfort now also share in that discomfort. I was like, I feel like if we are willing to say, hey, let's hold this together. And now we Mm -hmm. both have to figure out how do I manage the discomfort that I feel Mm -hmm. and hopefully how do you manage the discomfort that has been created Mm -hmm. and then resolve that? Because I think that's where a lot of our disconnect between even being able to have conversations around race Mm -hmm. or when situations come up is that, Some we're not sharing the discomfort. Someone is bearing the weight and walking away. And Mm -hmm. I think
0: some of that too has come from experiences of what has happened when you have shared the discomfort right? Right. and it gets ignored or you you get the tears Mm -hmm. or you get, then now you're in that position of, I now need to make you feel better Mm -hmm. because I have called this thing out and now you feel bad. And so Mm -hmm. it shifts shifts. Mm -hmm. or you call it out and nothing happens. Mm -hmm. So I think when that happens, it does make it hard mm-hmm. to to say something because it's almost I won't say learned helplessness, but it kinda is. It's like, mm. eh, is it is it yeah. worth it? And I think that's something that, mm-hmm. that black women, especially with black people particularly, have always have to constantly go Consider. in their head. Like, mm-hmm. is this battle Worth fighting yeah, right. right now? Yeah. Do I want to fight this one? Or do, mm-hmm. I do I have, have the, the energy? Do I have the, have the <laughs> energy? Energy, right. a lot of energy. Yeah. And
4: I, I think about too. I think this is another one of these shadow sides of privilege. I think white people suck at building community because mm. we haven't had to because I can walk in anywhere and it looks like I have a community. Mm. And so there's not really an effort I have to put in to find another folks that look like me. Yeah, Yeah. And I think that that people of color have had to work with intention to really build and foster community out of necessity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a deficit that white people have. Mm. And I think it's not a surprise that young people now are lonelier than they've ever been. Yeah, Because I think they don't have the skill to build community, which I think is about what you share a burden mm-hmm. that means I have to be okay to name my burden yep. and not feel like I'm gonna be judged for being weak or not enough or all these mm-hmm. things and yeah. and I and I get that people of color don't you know just put it all out there and leave these magically happy connected lives right right, right. and I think it is more ingrained in the in the community mm, to come yeah. back to community yeah and i will yes. say as a white person the only opportunity i ever had of that was religion and i'm not a religious person right yeah mm. right yeah and then i get judged by white people when i'm
2: not
0: religious <laughs>
2: especially,
0: especially in the, here, here, in where the where south right yeah right
2: yeah
0: <laughs> so i do want to shift gears a little bit um kind of what we're connected to the south kind of not really sort of so you are a sex therapist i am so there were a lot of questions around that but i'm curious of how does that work living in the deep south being a sex therapist yeah. it's lonely and <laughs> <laughs> it is
4: i am one of 8 certified sex therapists in the entire state wow, wow. and i remember when it was Less than um, that. And that's because I'm a certified supervisor right. and I've been getting some people certified. <laughs> right. um, I'm one of only two who's a psychologist. Wow. I am one of only a different two who's a supervisor. So people don't stay here. They go to the coast. They go to gotcha. D.C., Chicago, New York, other places. Um And it's hard. It's actually really isolating our Mm. culture. There's a word that we use in my field, uh, Uh sexophrenic. Our culture is very Uh sexophrenic. People get super weirded out talking about sex. Mm. People get very uncomfortable. Um, I don't think most humans have conversations about sex that aren't sexy. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm. If if you're out somewhere and somebody brings up sex, they're hitting on you. Yeah. yeah. Most yeah. of the time. Yeah. They're getting a feeler. They're putting right. it out there, seeing what's mm-hmm. so I have conversations all the time that are in no way sexy. Mm-hmm. And I think then if people find out what I do, there's just instant bias. They think I have sex swings hanging in every door <laughs> of my house. Then I'm in
1: head-to-toe leather underneath whatever I'm right. wearing. That my, you
4: know, that my crop is in my purse. Well, isn't it? Absolutely right. Only when my big bag is running. right. Um, and so it's it's amazing how uncomfortable people get, and at the same time how curious people are. Mm, yeah. mm-hmm. And so people will ask me a lot of questions about me, and I don't really think it's because they're interested in me. I think the idea is if the sex lady does it then i'm not weird mm. mm-hmm.
3: um i think what
4: i find is that people are either wanting to kind of ask questions to see what's normal or they're afraid i'm judging them mm. for not being normal right and because we don't talk about it nobody knows how to calibrate themselves
3: because
4: yeah. mm-hmm. uh, yeah. porn is no way to calibrate yourself oh God. Not yeah. at all. um and it's interesting though uh if people react very differently i very purposely usually don't tell people what i do for a living if i'm out and about in life
3: mm-hmm. yeah
4: i don't think we live in a very emotionally intelligent culture no. as a whole that would
0: be a good thought
2: because we do not
0: <laughs> no i can only imagine because i i tense anytime someone asks what i do yes so yeah. i can only imagine tacking on a yes. right. sex, the sex therapy because
3: right.
4: yeah yeah it's tiered what do you i work at university of south carolina yeah. right mm-hmm. yes. oh do you teach yes Yep. That's part of what I do, and we'll yep. just stop.
2: I say yeah. I work in healthcare, mm-hmm. mental mm-hmm. health promotion. I say human relations.
4: Oh. I Sometimes learned to it... do
2: that on a plane. Oh. Yeah, that was, that was <laughs> oh my, my takeaway. It's like never <laughs> to not anyone on a plane because you you're on a plane. stuck. Yes, yeah. yeah, stuck. yeah.
0: Stuck. I got caught up on a phone call with the customer service rep for oh. the internet service, and she was, you know, small talk. Well, what are you doing in Auburn? Oh, I'm starting to get my peaches. Really? Well, let me tell you about my son. We have been no, literally no. 40 minutes. No, um, forty minutes, and I knew so much. Yeah, but yes. I hope this understand, Okay, I gave But if cable but, going to be free um, <laughs> okay. after this, conversation. when are we sending? Right, just <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so we got a, a several questions around sex. We did. Uh, so one question was, how much does one's childhood affect their view of sex and a healthy sex life?
4: That is an Excellent, excellent question. Um, so one of the things in addition to being a sex therapist and a, just a general shrink, I'm a really big brain nerd.
3: Mm-hmm. And
4: I love no, knowing what's going on in a big sexy brain because it makes life make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, even to just kind of put a pin in a thing, um, in the last couple of years, there's been a lot of research come out about racial trauma.
3: Mm -hmm.
4: and neurobiologically it makes a lot of sense Mm
3: -hmm. and
4: so I think that words get in the way Mm -hmm. of things Um, so anyway, put a pin in that Um, when we go through things when we're young, different parts of the brain have different um, critical periods, so the whole brain doesn't develop just go, it develops kind of in chunks Right. and there can be certain critical periods of different parts of the brain that if things happen, we remember them differently they impact us differently, what have you and it surprises a lot of people to know the babies actually masturbate in utero. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Babies masturbate in the womb, and when we're in the womb, um, our nervous system works, so we feel, and mm-hmm. most of our major organs don't work, the heart being the exception. And so, how we uh, connect to our sensation is a lot rooted then in, in rhythm.
3: Mm-hmm. So it's
4: the rhythm heart, and babies remember fear from a really, really young age.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And if babies, um, so it's not unusual for babies to touch themselves, skulls, squeeze themselves, right. hump, hump things. Most kids start masturbating by humping. And if what were they, if they were met with, um, shame, No, don't do that. Or if their hands got slapped out of the blue and that was startling to them, they then associate that with that's wrong, that's bad, that's shameful, that's ugly. So sometimes it's not even this big campaign against sex. It was maybe mom trying to keep your hands out your pants while you're at the restaurant, whatever that was. But there's no explanation. Mm. It's just a, no, that's bad. There's not a, yeah, that feels good, right? Here's where we do that. right? Um, So it's funny. We teach kids uh, how to use the bathroom in the appropriate place. Right. But all we say with anything else is just don't. Right. I think the other thing that happens is that most people can remember their first of something significant, Mm -hmm. whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And I think sex is no exception. And I think what happens is because we can't talk about it and make something normal and help just makes sense. Right. We have these experiences and then they just kind of get locked in with little kid logic
3: mm-hmm.
4: without any check and balance, without any opportunity to edit or refine or fine tune. And then later on in life, that is just kind of there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that childhood plays a lot into just our template of how the world works with the exception being if my template of how the world works is that, um, I don't know, the first time I see... First time I ever held a frog in my hand, the frog peed in my hand. So my Mm -hmm. template is if you hold a reptile, it's going to pee on you. Mm -hmm. And I had to hold a lot of other – because I would tell no, they'll pee on you. Well, no, only if they're scared. But if you hold it out here first and then it goes pee, then you can hold it and it's okay. So I had an adult check and balance on this little kid logic. And if that little kid logic never gets named Mm. or explored or processed or challenged – it just gets held as true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then later on, when now there's all this reality and practice built on top of it, my brain now has this pattern that becomes a go-to. Um, and then we just get very stuck because brains are very lazy. Mm-hmm. So once a brain finds a way that works, it just does right. the thing. Yes, uh, So people have to work with intention to change that. And so that's a really, really good question. And as much as I would say, sex is no exception. I think because our culture is just so, if I could say it fucked up at talking about Mm -hmm. sex, it gets put over here in this separate area. So most of the people who come see me to see a sex therapist, right. 75% of the time, we end up doing work that has nothing to do with sex. Mm-hmm. Right. That yeah, that does make a lot of sense. And so I will say, yes, childhood stuff affects sex it affects sex and sexuality as much as it affects any other
1: aspect of our existence. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, because I was going to say, I would assume that a lot of the issues That adults may come to you and, you know, are psychological and they could stem from childhood or they could stem from, like you said, a first experience or ideas around sex that were a part of, you know, what they learned, how they grew up. And then now they're having issues with the performance. And a lot of times I think people think it's the performance that's the problem and not something Mm -hmm. that's going on psychologically yeah Yeah. yeah.
4: and so it's it's interesting even for that word to come up so this is a word that i challenge a lot and one of the things i talk to a lot of men about i talk to a lot of men about the shadow side of privilege and for guys there's no doubt a lot of privilege men have in this world there's also when it comes to sex a lot of uh, a lot of burden Men are supposed mm-hmm. to be ready for sex all the time. Mm-hmm. They were supposed to initiate. They're supposed to um, take control and get consent along the way while you're taking control. Mm-hmm. Know how to please a partner. And then, uh, especially if we're speaking really heterocentrically, uh, masculinity then gets all wrapped up in a partner's orgasm.
3: Mm-hmm. So I don't know
4: about you all, but I have yet to have Amazon deliver me an orgasm.
2: You know, so it's not <laughs> really I this thing know, that gets the Christmas season.
4: given. given. Yeah. Right. And yet that's how it gets talked about. So where is the language of I help my partner facilitate her pleasure? Mm. Mm-hmm. Where is the responsibility as women for our own sexuality Ooh, and the permission? We're not Ooh, this
0: is and a part 2 episode.
4: Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was and thinking about. And the permission about. to be sexual. So even in mm. the language of performance anxiety, when I think performance, I'm in the audience Mm -hmm. there is some singing and I get a show and some fried fish. (laughs) Exactly. That's the
1: performance, right? Right. I had nothing to do with that. And I am sitting back and taking it in and like, I can't wait to take a little
3: video of this
4: right here. (laughs) And I think that's that's how men feel about sex. They expect to be judged, evaluated, critiqued to other friends, Mm, and then their masculinity is then hung up on their review. Yeah. So even in the subtle words that we use of performance anxiety,
1: Mm -hmm.
4: it's different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: No, this is kind of like a part two of the episode that we did last week because we talked a lot about developing sex identity yes and you know what that looks like and especially like we started with childhood like messages that you get and along the way as an adult how do you start to identify yourself as a sexual being mm-hmm. and what that looks like so this is a really good kind of wraparound mm-hmm. conversation yeah. for that you right know? yeah i mean it's so much i'm trying to be
0: mindful of time um There were some questions about like normalcy, like what is a normal sex life? Are fetishes normal and uh, whole phases and all of those things? So so to kind of condense all of it, all of that, what does it mean to have a normal sex life and normal interest? Great
4: question. So I love math. I love math.
0: I don't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm my old girl. I do. I'm like, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm math. about to take notes. <laughs> um,
4: I should have worn my lady nerd bracelet. Um, normal to me is a statistical term. Yes. Mm-hmm. Normal simply means average. Mm-hmm. And if we take average, average changes. Um, the Kinsey Institute, I will say out of the University of Indiana, uh, the Kinsey Institute is one of the few places in the United States that actually does some sex research. Mm -hmm. And they've recently, um, Debbie Herbinick is a, a psychologist and an amazing, amazing researcher. And, uh, she just did a huge population scale study about what people actually do sexually. Um, people are, young people are having more anal sex than older ages. More people Hmm. are masturbating. Older people are having more sex. Younger people are having less sex. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Super anxious about things. So if people want to know that kind of stuff, that data is out there.
3: Mm -hmm. And I
4: think here's the other reality. I can make anything normal. If you're a math you need to get this. Mm-hmm. I can make anything normal. It mm-hmm. simply depends on what I compare it against. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Sure, and so sure. normal is a population type question. And I think that's one of the mm-hmm. things that the internet has changed is I can find my normal. Yes, yes. Right. You can find your community. Find your community. Yes. Yeah. 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 And so when people say, "Well, what's normal?" And I think this is one of the things and I could go off on a whole tangent about the DSM, uh, the Diagnostic mm-hmm. and Statistical mm-hmm. Manual, which is the shrink bible of how yeah. Yeah. disorders are diagnosed. Um, sexual health disorders are the only category in the whole DSM that are divided by sex. Hmm. Please tell me why it's a diagnosis for an ejaculation to happen in under one minute, but a female orgasm to happen in under one minute is just a high five.
2: Yeah. Why yeah. is it a problem
4: if it takes a female body person 20, 25 minutes, but if a, a male hmm. body person does the same, then that's a stud. Hmm. I just don't understand that.
1: Never thought about Never that. Thought about that. The that, other
4: thing yeah. that, that really gets my goat about that, about the DSM, is, uh, with any kind of, with any disorder, it has to be causing problems to be a problem. Right. So I appreciate that. Now, if I'm in a relationship and let's say feet, feet is a very stereotypical fetish and I have a foot fetish and my partner thinks that's weird. And my partner doesn't want me to see her feet and doesn't want me to look at her feet or touch her feet. And it freaks her out. And we fight about this every night. Mm -hmm. This is creating problems in my relationship. Right. Simply because I'm saying, well, can I maybe just paint your toes? No, that's disgusting. Maybe the next night, can I give you a foot massage? Nope. And so maybe for me, I'm thinking that I'm trying to compromise. My partner feels like I'm just browbeating them, and it's creating mm-hmm. problems in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Do I have a mental health diagnosis? Mm-hmm. Here's the real kicker. If I break up with my partner, did my mental health disorder just go they away?
1: disappear? Yeah. No. Right. Well, it's so, yeah. Yeah,
4: because there's no conflict no. anymore. <laughs> And hurts. so to me, yeah. to say somebody has a mental health condition because somebody else is judging yeah. what I do... Yeah, sure. Someone else
1: has the problem. It's not, it's
4: not your problem. Yet we don't have a diagnosis for a racist. Mm-hmm. We don't have a diagnosis for a homophobic person, mm-hmm. a transphobic person, yeah. a fetishphobic person. Mm-hmm. We don't have a diagnosis for that. We have a, a diagnosis for the person who gets maligned. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when people say, well, our fetish is normal... I would answer yes. They're normal in that they exist in nature. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's normal. Does that mean everybody around this person will see it as normal or Mm -hmm. not judge it? No, Mm -hmm. absolutely not.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, this is also making me think, too, of just like the conversation around sexual exploration through the lens of race. Um, Where are we on time? Because I do want to keep you all night. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and so, again, this could go on forever, but yeah. just yeah. even thinking about these questions, because they're tied into what we talked about in the previous episode about Black women being kind of confined to kind um, of like the whole Jezebel or Mammy yep. thing, where um, either yep. you're hypersexualized yep. or hyposexualized, Hyper, right. yep. um, completely desexualized, de-sexualized, de-sexualized. Yeah. where yeah. you are then risk being called a hoe. If you do these things, where mm-hmm. like I definitely remember even you in your high school, some of my white classmates talking about sex and oral sex, and my friends and I going like, oh my god! I mean, speaking about yeah. it casually, like, yeah. like, oh, right? What? The hell? And I mean add the <laughs> kicker that
4: black girls tend to develop earlier than yeah. any other race, not mm-hmm. even just white girls. Black right. girls tend to develop earlier than any mm-hmm. other race. And so that's when then they tend to even be sexualized younger. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So and younger. to me, what's even more amazing is that if you look at the data of nationally, what happens,
0: black girls tend to be the least sexually like explorative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But, stereotypically, but stereotypically. stereotypically when the images are floated out of yes. like yes. promiscuous, even the word promiscuous. I remember asking, like, so what A male version of promiscuous. Right. Like I've never heard a guy be called promiscuous. Promiscuous. It's (laughs) happening now. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. It's but it's so it's so interesting um, just how these conversations shift when you throw in all these other variables whether it's gender identity or sexual orientation and having these conversations around yes yes because it all goes back to unlearning and questioning some of the stuff that we've been told around what's normal and what's allowed and then you tack on into if you had issues like someone asked about abandonment issues and how attachment then ties into sex and sex and relationships. Like it's so much, but it all starts I think with those conversations around it. And
4: I I think so often, so I have a a real beef with how consent education happens um, because I think that's step three. Um, I don't think women have permission to know their bodies and be sexual beings enough to say, yes, I want, th- yes, I want a finger in the butt. Cause now mm-hmm. I'm a whore.
3: Mm-hmm. And so
4: people don't learn correct body parts. I teach, basically I call it adult sex education, but mm-hmm. I teach a psychology class at the university. And I have college students come in all the time thinking they're going to know this. And they know all these parts. And Mm -hmm. women are blown away when they learn just the anatomy of the the clitoris. Mm -hmm. We didn't even know until 1994.
2: Mm -hmm. Wow. That's ridiculous. That's very much so ridiculous. And
4: so we don't know body parts. There's not permission to explore our own selves to know what we like. And then even if a partner says, well, can I do this and can I do that? I don't know. Yeah. Right. I don't know if I feel okay to say yes or I've never tried that myself. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we start at step three. And then
0: wonder why young people are so twisted up around sex. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ugh, it's so so screwed up. Just anyway, how we just talk. To, like think about it. Yeah, like where does this conversation start? I, I'm a firm believer that waiting until college is way too late to start these conversations. No, mm-hmm. Anyway, which is I think why we struggle so much even at the university. is was we like eight years behind. Yes. Right. yes, If anybody
4: out there has young folks, like little people that you raise or have to do with their uh, their growing up in life. Uh, there's an organization called it's SEICUS. It's S E I C U S. It's the Sexual Education and Information Council of the United States, Ooh. and these are a group of people who are educated um, in, in childhood development, in sexual health, sexuality, physical health, and what they have is a, a free guide you can get from their website, and it breaks down different age ranges, and then they also breaks down sexual uh, sex education. Mm-hmm body parts, gender, pregnancy, STIs, pleasure and orgasm. And then for each age category, it gives suggested education information for each topic within sex. Oh, like wonderful. Right. So it's very and so it developed. Very comprehensive. Yes, yeah. and they recommend that these conversations start at five. No. Yes. Wow, yeah. Yeah. Which
2: in my mind is still a little late because mm-hmm. I taught my three-year-old what her parts were. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I think that often is a question at what age should I talk right. with my child yes. about just sexual development and yes. yeah. and they
4: even have suggested phrasing like 5 year olds can get the the concept of gender mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yes. we don't yeah. I don't have to break down all the different yeah. things the right. queer means right. Right. and that young person can get gender right. yes
0: right. i love that, that i mean is they're, awesome. they're I gender. in the show notes very early very mm-hmm. young mm-hmm. and we know that they know cuz in studies like kids know very about kindergarten what's a girl to and what's a boy doing yeah. so yeah. they get constructs mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I did have one more question that, that was from the, um, the, the, the question that we put out. Um, and then we can, I guess, get ready to wrap up for time. Um, someone asked me to share the questions that I mentioned in a previous episode that I recommend people ask a white therapist. Ah. Um, and I equate it similar to a medical procedure. Uh, mm-hmm. When I was in grad school, I had to have surgery for fibroids. And I was in Auburn, Alabama, and I got referred to a, a surgeon and I asked, I said, how many of these procedures have you done? Mm-hmm. He said, six. I said, total? Right. Like, in your career, you've done six? So yes. I said, okay. Thank you very much. I left because I'm not going to be number seven. So I mm-hmm. found one who said, I do six in a month. Thank mm-hmm. you. So I equate, like, your same thing with your mental health mm-hmm. is ask these questions. So one question I recommend is asking, how many black clients have you worked with? Mm-hmm. And it's up to you to determine if that number... Is fine. Personally, I don't want to be the first. Now, I also rec- understand that access is also a thing. So you right. may not be in a position where you can go, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. hop.
3: Mm-hmm. So then,
0: other questions are what's been your training? around working with people from other ethnicities or Mm -hmm. or culture? What type of training have you had? Also, how do I bring race into the room if I'm uncomfortable? Because I think sometimes clients are afraid to hurt their therapist's feelings. Mm -hmm. So sometimes asking beforehand, so if something comes up and I feel like you're missing Mm
3: -hmm. something,
0: how can I say it or is it okay Mm
3: -hmm. if
0: I point out something Mm -hmm. that you're missing? Mm -hmm. Um, just to know that you have that permission to say, Mm -hmm. "Ah, you may not get it and that's okay. But, um, Mm -hmm. those are just some of the questions that Mm -hmm. I recommend, um, Mm -hmm. asking.
4: I think what I would add to that is, um, I'm a very big fan of starting a question, which I guess technically doesn't even make it a question with talk to me, talk to me about this, talk to me about your experience working with people of color. And here's why, because I think if you ask me a question, I give you a finite answer.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It Doesn't, dozens, yeah. dozens, dozens,
0: yeah, dozens, if not yeah. over a hundred. Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's not giving me much information. And how yet.
4: many of those did I see one time mm, and
2: right. they got a
4: glimpse of For the sure. ugly side of my whiteness and were like, nope. Right. right. I've answered your question. Right. That's good. You just got super duped.
2: Yeah. That's mm-hmm. good.
4: And so if I say, talk to me about your experience working with black people or any, however right. that mm-hmm. wants to be framed, I think there's a lot in the vibe between people's words. Mm -hmm. I can listen to the words you say all day long. How I feel while Mm -hmm. you're saying them, totally Totally different. different. Yeah, absolutely. And so the question I usually encourage people to ask a therapist is just tell me how you work. Mm. And the goal isn't for them because, I mean, most clients, quite honestly, I know we've made jokes about like a psychologist versus an LPC versus an MSW versus Mm -hmm. a whatever. Most people don't really distinguish that way. No. Mm. So they don't distinguish in that way. And then if At I say, all. well, here's my orientation and I work from this place and I've trained with these people, they're like, so? They don't know what that exactly. means. And so what I try to set people up is to just give the other human, give this potential therapist some, some space to talk to show themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I really love these questions. Of have to me about your experience working with people of color. Talk to me about your experience of having really difficult conversations yeah. in the right. room. Yeah. Have you ever had a client be upset with you and how'd you handle it?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: And yeah. if for me and you know, I would, I didn't think about this a lot. Um, I, just, I actually just got back on the road too, not long before yeah. you got, or from yeah. the road before you got here. Um, and it's one of those where there's a part of me that doesn't want to share that story about ways that I mess up, because that's yeah. embarrassing. Mm. That was the first thing that popped in my head. And you're like, how have you stepped in it? Oh, here's yeah. the biggest one. Yeah. There yeah. we go. <laughs> and it's the same when I've gone on job interviews, and they're like, what was a really like you know embarrassing situation you have with a client? And like this example came to my mind, and it's mm-hmm. like, well, here's this. Because here yeah. Yeah. in my mind, I'm a very... Kind of live life transparently sort of person and I'm not for everybody.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And so I would so much rather just kind of put it out there because if I'm not for you, I don't want to waste either one of our right. time. Exactly. Right. Right. I want to be respectful to everybody involved. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and so I think the idea that I would want people to have is just ask for a 15 minute phone conversation
3: mm-hmm.
4: and set up these questions with a talk to me about this mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just give the other person room to talk. And if that doesn't feel good, right call the next
0: person right right that's good because what it boils down to is that that relationship in the room and there's numbers that back that up that is around therapist matching that it always comes back to the relationship relationship. not to say that certain aspects of ourselves you know don't get brought into the room Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day is can you connect with that person person. do they hear you when you're speaking can they and because even if we are both black my blackness or my black experience exactly. is not necessarily the same as yours. Right. So exactly. I can't assume, or, you know, maybe our re- religion is different or right. other right. aspects of our identity. We're like a black person who grew up down here versus black person who grew up right. in Michigan. Right. right. That's right. going to be different. real different. different. Right. Yeah. So it is. But I definitely understand that trust issue in the, in the medical field. Yes. So definitely I completely understand the discomfort. um, But I think it's more so when we talk about numbers, I'd much rather you ask than not go. Yes, right. yeah, yeah, definitely.
4: And, and ask for a phone conversation. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things I tell. And when I found my therapist, I didn't just pay just money to go up. sit and interview yeah. somebody who yeah. might suck. That's smart because you are paying for that shit. Yeah. You're paying. And You're a lot of a session. lot of people in the community will give a free one, especially if they're trying to build up a practice. Mm-hmm. What I found, and I was really transparent when I found my therapist, I said, Hey, could we just talk on the phone for like 10 minutes so I could get a feel for you? That's smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I said to my therapist, Tell me how you work. And she started talking, and the way she just organized life in her brain I was mm. like yes mm-hmm. this human things like I think this is what I need yeah. and I just it, I never hesitated. So then when I went to see her for the first time there was already some degree of interpersonal comfort sure. right even though it was weird to lay all my stuff out there. um and i really appreciated her doing that i offer that in my private practice and i tell people i would rather have a conversation first
3: yes
2: yeah
4: instead of like you we don't really talk about it somebody comes in and has to pay me money for me to just say i don't think i'm the best person to help you exactly i like that i would
0: rather avoid that for all of us no that's smart yeah you are paying for that session very smart
1: yeah well, I think this has been a really great conversation. We could probably go a whole nother hour. Oh, this has been fun. It's I see so how much y'all do this now. Yeah. <laughs> I do want us to, you know, think about some takeaways. Like there's, so, there's been so many things, but what are some main takeaways I think that we would want our listeners to leave this conversation with? Mm. You know, what are something that we want to make sure that they take, think about, meditate on? Um, just over this conversation in general.
0: This is a hard. One.
1: Yeah, that's, a, that's a <laughs> hard <laughs> hard one. It's so really hard. We talked about so much. much good stuff. I think for
2: me, um, a takeaway is being able to. So, when looking for a therapist, um, and when looking for someone that you feel like you're able to make progress and kind of go through that journey, being able to know that you. are have the ability to walk away if you feel like it's not a good fit because i think oftentimes and i've talked to um different clients who are who would have that conversation and say oh i didn't know that i couldn't choose someone else i thought i called this line they connect me with this therapist and now we're on and so being able to have the ability to say this isn't a good fit Mm -hmm. And it's no judgment on the skill set. It's no judgment on what the therapist does. But there is a such thing as having a relationship Mm -hmm. and not feeling as though the fit is there for you. And so being able to have kind of that interview mm-hmm. um, moment and being able to walk away if you feel like it's not a good fit because the process is about you. And if you have to worry about the process being yes. about the therapist in the room, you're not going to be able to move forward into the goals that you set for yourself. Yes. So, yeah. Awesome. Um, I think my takeaway
0: that I want listeners to, to remember is that your experience um is your own and they're valid Because um, I just remember kind of what how we started off the conversation um around sometimes as a as a black person, and I'm intentional when I say black person versus person of color because i I don't want to generalize experience that so you can live in a state of paranoia mm. um when certain things are said, and you often can question, well, was that because Am I misinterpreting? Am I reading too much into mm. it? And mm-hmm. and oftentimes, well, I won't say oftentimes. Sometimes you can talk yourself
3: mm-hmm.
0: out of right. acknowledging or rec- calling a thing a thing. So just um, wanting to affirm people that your experiences are valid. And nine times out of ten, if a button's being pu- pushed, it's probably real. Mm-hmm. And to echo what Erica said earlier about share that discomfort. I live by that even in Listen. personal relationships. I'm not going to be the only one losing sleep over this. Let right. me call you two. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Basically. 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 I mean, yeah. if we don't learn how to have conversations and just start, the more you have mm. the uncomfortable conversations, mm. oh, the less uncomfortable, hopefully. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They become because mm-hmm. you, you start to normalize mm-hmm. being able to talk about this stuff. And right. we have just not gotten to that Oof. place yet. We just yes. need that in no. size. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 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 I think my takeaway. I'm gonna to switch to the other gear that we were on. It was about the sex education, and I, I just wrote down, sex education is self education because it really, when you were just kind of talking if about, he
0: changed the name of the class to
1: just self
0: education. Self education, just that
1: would be. I mean, because then it really, it because it's really supposed to be about learning about mm-hmm. yourself, is what I got from, mm-hmm. you know, what you were saying, and that's not the way we're teaching. Right? Yeah. It, at all yeah. it's yeah. very
4: medical it's yeah yeah yes. body parts and yeah.
0: organs and
1: mm-hmm. and and don't know and we don't actually know the process mm-hmm. and like it's right. just you do this thing and this thing happens and mm-hmm. that's that's the takeaway that's mm-hmm. um so really i think it's important like you said at any age and and she mentioned um C-I-C-S. Mm-hmm. C-I-C-S. Um, Look that up because I'm definitely going to look it up. We'll um, yeah. put it in the notes to show yeah. notes. Um, But that's my biggest takeaway is like and there's no time like you can start right now no matter what your age is because I'm sure there are plenty of us who still have you know areas of knowledge or areas that we have deficits of knowledge yeah. when it comes mm-hmm. to, to sex education. And that's normal. Yeah. That's super yeah. normal. Yeah,
3: yeah.
1: I, I think My takeaway, um, I think
4: I have two and I think one, I would want any person who identifies as a person with privilege in any facet to know that it's normal to be uncomfortable and to be able Mm -hmm. to distinguish that I did a thing that wasn't ideal versus I am a human who isn't ideal. Mm. And I think there's a real big difference between I did and I am. Yes. And I think if people can hold that, sitting in that diaper, it feels a lot different. Um, and I think that, in from a place of privilege, I don't think people have really teach us how to be responsibly privileged. Uh, responsibly privileged. I like that. Yeah. Um, the other thing I will say is I think that that goes the same. The, the thing the same for sex. Um, and what I would encourage people to do is learn a new f- nugget of information. So even just something small that we talked about here, a different way to think about that and talk to as many people as possible about that. Mm. Because I think the more we have, the more of an insight in conversations about sex that aren't sexy, the better we get at talking about it. The more areas of our brain get connected to it, the mm. more holistic our approach to sexuality is. It's just one of the best things we can do is be transparent.
1: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I love it. This
0: is great great takeaways um, good takeaways I yeah. got
1: like
0: a page of notes very over here. good um, so we are switching gears a little bit so what kind of switching gears well never mind I was going to make a connection between sex and love but mm-hmm. I can do it all. Not Not just, I was trying my brain tried to go there I was like nah that's normal be... too if people right. can't do that <laughs> right. Uh, press, press, right say amen or say ouch uh- <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to move into send one your love. So this is our segment where we send our love out into the world to people or entities or things or groups that uh, may have just put a smile on our face recently. So I want to bring it out to <laughs> Shari's face. We do this every week. Every week. <laughs> Can I start? Yes. yes please.
4: please.
1: <laughs> Sarah. So
4: this past Thanksgiving, so I'm married and I have two bonus daughters who so have two different moms. And this past Thanksgiving, me and, well, not just me, the whole family, uh, but both of my stepdaughter's moms came to Thanksgiving and I realized I didn't have a name for them. Like, I've called them names. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> 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 and we we do get along. Um, and so I've dubbed them my exels. They're my exes-in-law. So anybody who's my husband's family, it's like his mm-hmm. sister is my sister-in-law. His mom is my mother-in-law. Well, they're his exes. So they're my exes-in-law. Mm. And I think Exel is just a cute little name. <laughs> nice. And I got pictures of my exels. And we went and hung out. And just the three of us. And had a lot of fun. Wow. And I didn't come from a family who was really inclusive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And my mother-in-law is that person. And so I really want to send some love to my mother-in-law and to my exes for being (laughs) open to really have a a big definition
1: of what family is. I love that. That's cute. I like it. I love that. Maybe because my soon-to-be has two exes, So <laughs> yes, you're I don't know we're going to be adopting that but <laughs> we, <laughs> who knows? Who we knows? just had our 5
4: year anniversary.
1: So okay. it took some time. It took some time. Took okay. Time. okay. Some time. <laughs> well that's good. That's good. something to, I can do something to look forward to, something to work towards. Awesome. Oh, let's see sending my love. Um oh, you know, I kind of want to send some not love, but I'm not going to do that. Uh oh, it's just been weighing on my heart though. Cool. I want to send some not love to whoever made that macaroni and cheese um for Thanksgiving oh. y'all know y'all were supposed to get Aunt Kathy's macaroni and cheese and y'all didn't do that. <laughs> you disappointed the family. But I am going to send my love to my auntie Diane who made some amazing peas and butter beans to make up for this terrible macaroni oh and cheese. No. I'm still upset about I it. See. But I, I send my love to that. Aunt Diane. I wish you would have. I wish you would have. Shout out Auntie Diane for for you know giving us something oh to hang on to. What about you guys?
2: That's oh, hilarious. I'm sorry, I'm still a little salty. About that this. is hilarious. No, mac and cheese is a big it's a staple. You know, it's, it's I have to throw mine out. I made too much, girl. I and yeah, I did, I'm supposed to come get some. I don't like it.
0: It's not bad. Like it? I didn't put. I I messed up my cheese ratio. Oh. I had too much. So I had like five different types of cheeses, mm, and I good. I didn't put enough of the sharp mm, cheese oh. to balance. So it's not as it's sharp. A mild, it's
1: milder. Yeah, it's
0: eyes. milder than what I'm used. So it's not okay. bad. Yeah. Because someone ate it so because i gotta it say
3: like
1: it's, good. I mean, it's I just mean, I, I like
0: cheeses. and let me tell you something what i would never make again mac and cheese because I, sp- <laughs> I spent 40 dollars on cheese and, and i took me 20 minutes to shred um because I, I bought you blocks, blocks. Mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Oh, i she had does it right, 24 right, ounces of cheese if i Take can show you my shredder it's so small so, yeah, that's probably why i got that biceps today <laughs> um, I would like to send my love, um, not to an individual, but to the, the my friends, because um, last week we talked about um, the upcoming holiday, and I shared that this was going to be my first one, that I didn't have anywhere to go, and I was just really in my feelings about, like, I'm six hours away from home, this is a mm-hmm. sacrifice you make when you live away from family, and I don't have anywhere to go, and I stayed in my house all of Thursday, with the exception mm-hmm. to going to the movies with a friend, and I loved it. And it was I so I tried to tell old. you. I tried to tell you. You did. Girl. I did. <laughs> <laughs> the like, by the time I finished cooking, because I was like, I have to cook. I have to cook something. I have to make it feel like a holiday. By the time I finished cooking, because I did have a few people later to invite me to their family. So I was like, you know what? I'm good. I'm just going to stay at home. I'm going to go to the movies later with mm-hmm. a friend. And. I had the best Thanksgiving <laughs> <me tell> you. <laughs> by myself until went to the movies and even yeah. the movie was great. I had a yeah. you know discussion afterwards. So it turned out to be a really good Thanksgiving. So Thank I'm thankful for my friends who offered me, you know, to come to their homes and also understood when I said, you know what? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs>
4: That's right. good. That's right. the best invitation. That right. is yeah. good. Wow.
2: So I know. Last week I said I was going to send two loves out um, because I skipped. I was like, "Oh, I don't have anybody to send oh, yeah, love to." Yeah, me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I know I typically send my love to Tiffany. I'm not doing that
1: this <laughs> week. Tiffany, you are loved so on this show. I girl. am going
2: to send my love to Tiffany's mom. <laughs> yes, <laughs> because Mrs. Howard invited me over for Thanksgiving. And just kind of the like welcomed, me,
3: to. Right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> just welcomed me in and was like, kick off your shoes, let's, you know, just kind of hang out and, you know, talk about like what you're grateful for and all of that. So it was a really good um, time away from my apartment because I didn't leave until that point either. So it was a good time away from home to go and spend some some moments with her. So that's where I'm gonna send my love to Tiffany's mom, Mrs. Howard. Very nice. Yeah, and I had another one, and it it just slipped. Oh, to all the people who I still have to go pick up plates from. So like April, I'm coming to get some mac and cheese (laughs) to throw out. Um, (laughs) And I friend Keisha, I'm picking up my dessert plate from from her her yesterday. And so like all of the people who like brought me food and was (laughs) like, I got some potato salad. I got some, you know. I send my love out to all of those friends who are like oh i know you're far from home and i choose not to cook big meals for myself just me I so nice. they're like let me bring you food to eat so i send my love out to them too so
1: nice yeah. very nice
2: all right well we are gonna go ahead and sign out awesome awesome um episode thank yes, you so thank much you, sarah, sarah, thank for you coming. for having me this was this yeah. really really so fun. much fun um do you have places where you would like for people to like find you or like shout you out or like connect um, with you I started a professional instagram it's still brand new baby new um and it's
4: dr sarah e wright sarah with an h right like the brothers uh it's dr sarah e wright on instagram and i've got uh a website Website. It's Dr. Sarah E. Right at
1: liverightnow.com.
4: Nice. Right nice. And
1: we'll um, add that information so cool. that um, I know I've actually had several people in the past who have wanted to talk to a sex therapist and didn't really know kind of how to even start that. And so... So um, one
4: other piece then um, for y'all to put in your notes is ASECT. It's A-A-S-E-C-T. It's the American Association of Sexuality Educators, Counselors, and Therapists. They are the credentialing body. Uh, So if people really have that need, they have a feature on their website to find a therapist in their area. Oh, perfect. And some folks will even do um, teleconferencing. They just have to be licensed in the state. Oh,
3: nice. Um, okay. So sometimes
4: there's sense. flexibility, but you'll see we've got some limited resources. Nice. Do you yeah,
0: offer you Skype sessions
2: or? I don't. Okay.
4: Uh, at this point, my private practice is very small and part time, mm-hmm. and so I don't really have the capacity to do a lot right. more than makes what I'm sense. doing. That makes sense. So, makes
2: sense. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we are going to h- go ahead and sign out. So you can also find us on social media, Instagram and Facebook at three Sykes and a mic. The number three Sykes and a mic. If you have any questions or comments or just follow up tidbits that you'd like to send to us you can email us at three psychs and a mic at gmail.com and as always thanks 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 so much for listening and go ahead and send reviews recommendations and comments that you have for us on any of the listening platforms that you are checking us out on so thanks so much and we are going to go ahead and sign out see y'all next week all right
3: bye have a good one